Everybody say, this is war. I want to talk to you today about the war on men, the war on men. And when I say that, I'm not saying there's not a war on women, but today I want to speak specifically about the war on men. If you were here last week, you saw me dunk the basketball on the seven foot goal. It was amazing. I felt so awesome. And we talked about how what happens when you lower the goal. I grew up with the basketball goal that my dad um, used to take me out in the front yard, play, play basketball with me. And I would always ask him, Dad, can we lower the goal so that I can, you know, come up and do stuff like this and dunk? And he would say, Paul, you can lower it, but that's not the standard on which you were called to play it. The standard is 10 foot. And when you lower the standard, you're not ready for the games when you're called to play on that higher standard. I wanted to practice on a lower standard. I wanted to play on that seven foot goal, but I had a father who continued to raise the bar. We need men who will raise the bar for the next generation, not lower the standard. If you're waiting for the message to start, it's already started. We talked about how Jude says in Jude one verse three, contend for the faith. The word contend means to compete, to combat. You see, when you have a lowered goal, there's no competing. There's no combating. It's easy to make a basket when it's right here, right in front of you, but it takes a little bit more. Let's raise the standard. When you raise the standard, it's a little bit more of a struggle. How many of y'all think I can dunk it on the 10 foot goal? All right, I got a few people that are confident in my skills. <laughs> Come on, Air Jordan. <sighs> okay, I'll take a layup. We'll take a layup. <laughs> I don't want to hurt myself. I got to play with my kids later on for Father's Day. But the point is this. It's better to struggle on the right standard than it is to succeed on the wrong standard. It's better to struggle to barely touch the rim when it's set at the right standard than it is to flawlessly succeed on a seven foot goal, giving your buddies high five saying you can live like this. And this is what Jude said in verse four. He said, there are people who have crept into the church. They've snuck into the church and they've twisted the message of grace into a license for sin. In other words, they've lowered the standard. They said, let's give each other high fives. Let's lower the standard and live however we want to live. And we'll call ourselves men of God, even though we treat women with disrespect and we touch them whenever we want and we do all kinds of, this is why we see so much brokenness in our society because men have lowered the standard, but not at victory. We are raising the standard. We are mighty men of God today. We have men that have shown up to church. They're showing up to worship. They're showing up to pray. Give it up for the men that are in church today that are leaning in contending for the faith, competing for a higher standard on their life. And today I want to talk to you about how do we win that war as men? How do we become valiant warriors on the battlefield of masculinity? How do we become the men that God has called us to be? And ladies, this is for you too, because ladies have a huge impact on the men. Men will try to make it look like we're not that sensitive. We don't care what you think or what, don't care what you say, but your words are shaping us. And when you lower the standard for how you expect us to treat you or you expect us to be as men, we will rise to the standard you set. When you challenge to see that there's more inside of us, when you challenge and say there's more for you, to, you're not called to play on that standard, you can't touch me like that, you respect your mother, you respect your sisters, you respect the women in your class, don't go in the locker room talking bad about, listen, when you raise the standard, we rise to the challenge. And there's a war going on over men. Paul, the apostle said in first Corinthians four, verse 15, he said, you guys have 10,000 instructors, but very few fathers. 
There's, there's thousands of communicators. It's easy to preach. It takes guts to be a dad. He said, you, you got thousands of people like, God's not looking for more flashy preachers. He's looking for faithful fathers. We, we don't need people. A, a teacher says, come listen to me talk. A father says, come with me for the walk. I'm going to teach you how to walk. I'm not just going to expect you to listen to me talk. A teacher wants you to get information. A father wants you to get impartation. A father is willing to work with his kids and walk through their mess and not walk out and leave and say, I've had it with you students. A teacher can switch classes when she wants. A teacher can walk out and say, you know, I'm going to another school. I can't teach her anymore. The kids are crazy. A father, a real father, is committed to the development and the maturity of the children to become who God has called them to be, to play on the standard on which God has called us to live. So we've got to wage war. Nehemiah was a man of war. He was a man of God. In chapter four of Nehemiah, if you have your Bibles, you could turn there. If you don't, we're going to throw it on the screen. Yeah, we get excited about the word of God. And Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. He was working on a noble cause. He was pulling together all the men to rally around rebuilding Israel. Israel had fallen. Like there was gaps. There was places that were wrong. There was things that there were, there was breaches in the wall. And so Nehemiah said, we've got to get this thing back together. We've got to restore what God's plan was for the nation of Israel. So he starts rebuilding. And in verse seven, there were some people who found out about it. And, and their names were Sanballat and Tobiah. And they got together with the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Astrodites. And they heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall, just circle that, gaps in the wall, gaps in the wall, that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired. In other words, Nehemiah, he was doing the work of God. He was rebuilding the nation of Israel. And they became furious. Can I tell you, the devil gets furious when men rise up and start raising the standard and start rebuilding the walls and filling in the gaps. The devil gets mad. When you become a man of God, you become a target for the enemy. So if bad things are trying to come against you, if you're experiencing some setbacks, it could be because you're doing something right. It could be because you're coming to church. It could be because you're giving again. It could be because you're praying for your family. It could be because you're walking in integrity and honesty. Bad things don't just happen to people who make bad decisions. Bad things can happen to good people who are doing the right thing. But don't grow weary. God is with you in the middle of the work, in the middle of the night. No weapon formed against you will prosper in Jesus. Jesus name. So Nehemiah, he found out the enemy was bad. And watch what they said in verse eight. They made plans to come and fight against the men of Jerusalem. They were coming against the builders, the workers, the warriors on the wall. And they said, we are going to throw these men into confusion. This is what's happening right now in society. There's, there is a confusion that's happening among men. There's a war going on for the minds and the hearts and the emotions and the identities of men. And Hollywood's trying to make it look like men are ridiculous. We're goofballs. We don't know what we're doing. There's no place of leadership authority for men. It all needs to go to the ladies now. And listen, this is not a message of gender wars. God has a unique calling on both men and women. The expression of femininity and the expression of masculinity are both needed. They are both the imago Dei. They are both the image of God. But today, specifically for the men... There's a war going on for who God's called you to be and what God's called you to do. 
This is why when we look at the percentages of, of men that are going to prison, right now, men far outrake women that are in prison. 92.9% of, of inmates in prison are men, right? So 7% are ladies, 92% are men. We are overpopulating prisons, so that means there's just, I mean, there's just way too many people in the prison. And these guys are going there, and look at the age at which men are going to prison. It's happening when they're 26 years old, it starts to peak. And then 30, 36. And then by the time they're 46, they're getting out of prison. You say, why does that matter? Because I became a dad when I was 28. I had my first kid. Imagine you're a 26-year-old man. You have two or three kids, or one kid. And then you go to prison. And you serve 10 years, or 15 years, or 20 years. And then you get out of prison, What's happening? We're seeing kids growing up without dads in homes. And so then the cycle continues. It repeats where there's not a father, where there's not a leader, where there's not a man to teach a boy. And then there's men who are not teaching boys to raise the standards. They're saying, you know what? We're not, we're we gonna go to church, but we're not pastors or anything. So it's okay for us to talk like this to ladies. It's okay for us to sleep around. It's okay for us to do these drugs. It's, you know, we're okay drinking. We're okay watching this. You're okay talking back to your mom. We're gonna lower the standard in our house. We're gonna be relaxed. We're just gonna see what happens. Let the wind blow where it wants to blow. Where okay. and, and, and when the standard is lowered, we wreck generations. And so this is a message to say, we've got to get men back in the place that God's called them to be. When you look at what's happened because of the war on men, 80% of all the suicides in the world are committed by men. Eight out of 10 suicides that happen today will happen from a man. The enemy is after men. When you look in the Bible, the only genocides that happen to genders, it's with men. It happens during Moses' time. Kill all the Hebrew boys under the age of two. It happened during Jesus' time. Kill all the boys. Kill all the, there's, not a, there's not a genocide against women. And I'm not saying that women don't have, there is a war on women as well. But today, let's just focus on the facts right now. Men are dying faster than women. It is a fact, scientific fact, that women will live longer than men. One out of five men will die before the age of 65. Men struggle with sickness and disease 37% more than women do. Men are more likely to battle heart disease, more likely to battle cancer. The enemy wants to take men out of society, get men out of the homes, get men in prisons, get men in their corner. Shut up. Don't say anything. You're ridiculous. But not in this house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will be a mighty, mighty church of men and women. We're not going to be an all-female church. We're not going to be an all-male church. We're going to be a multi-generational, multi-ethnic, male and female empowerment church. This is going to be a church where men rise up to be who God's called them to be. And I would, I would move forward, but I think you need to hear these statistics. Again, I'm going to challenge you, but I'm going to encourage you in the end. It's going to be challenging at first, but stay in the ring. You're going to get up. You're going to win like Rocky does at the end of this fight. <laughs> right now, men account for 30, 86% of the homeless population. 86 out of 100 people on the streets, living on the streets, are men. Right now, men are less likely to go on and get a college degree, less likely to pursue a higher uh, earning career. They're being told, don't, don't try to be a doctor. Don't try to be a dentist. Don't try to pursue something high. Don't try to be the uh, leader, the manager, the supervisor that's going to the ladies. You just need to sit back. You just need to. And again, I'm saying it's not a gender war. I'm just saying we've got to challenge men to rise up. I'm not saying you got to go to college to succeed, but there's something off with these statistics. There's something off. Men are twice as likely to battle an addiction than women are. 
Men, men are being attacked in their mind, in their body, in their health, in their heart, their emotions. They're being told, don't cry. Don't show weakness. Don't go down to an altar. Don't ask for prayer. Don't reach out to other men. Men are so much less likely to have relationships in their life than women are. We have a problem connecting with other men. And so then we isolate ourselves and we think that's the pathway to victory is just going solo, just doing it by yourself. We've got to wage war for men in this church, in this nation, in the world right now. So Nehemiah says, we're going to fight back against this confusion. By the way, the confusion has not just attacked people's addictions. It's attacked people's identities. We have boys trying to become girls now. Am I being too honest for you on Father's Day? You want a patty cake sermon? You want me to sugarcoat this? We have boys who don't know who they are. Men who are forsaking natural affections for women and, 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 and totally unaware, just thinking, well, you know, I don't know who defines me anymore. I don't know if I'm a man. I don't know if I'm a woman. And we've got confusion in the minds of men. And let me just say this, MTV does not define us, CNN does not define us, Fox News does not define us, USA Today does not define us, Time Magazine doesn't define us, it is God's word. He created us male and female in the image of God. And you are who God made you to be. And you are valuable the way he made you. You are not a mistake, you are not an accident, you are not messed up, you are not a throwaway. You have a purpose on your life as a man of God. And we need you, men. We need you. We need you. So Nehemiah said, but we prayed in verse nine, we prayed to our God. The greatest place for a man, for a boy to become a man is right here on his knees saying, Lord, I need your help. I'm surrounded by confusion. I've got voices telling me I'm this. I've got the, 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 the media telling me I'm that I've got pornography right in front of me. I got stuff all around me. Lord, I need your help to be the man that you've called me to be. This is the greatest place to become a man. It's on your knees before for God and surrender and prayer. You don't become a man in the gentleman's club. You don't become a man in the bar. You don't become a man with all the buddies in the locker room. You become a man in the house of God on your knees saying, Lord, I need you. I'm not going to cave into the pressure to lower the standard. I'm waging war on who you've called me to be. We need men to fight. We need men to fight back. Don't cave under pressure. Don't throw in the towel. Too many men have committed suicide. We need you. Don't jump from that bridge. Women, you have the ability. You have such an amazing ability to speak the words at the right time to talk men into who God's called them to be. Your words are more powerful than you realize. Men, make, we make it out to look like we're not that sensitive, that your words don't matter. We care. It goes very deep in our soul. When you tell us that we're special, we're valuable, God's got a purpose for us, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for my mom telling me, you got a calling on your life, Paul. You got a calling on your life. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for my wife saying, your boys need you. I need you, honey. You women, you have a purpose to call men into the place that God's called them to be. So Nehemiah said, we prayed. And I pulled together, in verse 14, he said, I pulled together the noble men. I pulled together the gentlemen. I pulled together the men who were leaders in their house. I pulled together. Chivalry is still alive in this nation. It might look sparse out there, but in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Victory Church, chivalry is still alive. How you treat others, how you treat women. He said, I pulled together the gentlemen. And I said, men, it's time we fight. Watch what he says in verse 14. He says, don't 
be afraid of the enemy. If there was ever a time to speak that right now to men, don't be afraid of what you see on the statistics about other men. Don't be afraid of what the devil's whispering in your ear. Don't be afraid of the addictions that are staring you in your face. Don't run from it. Don't cower back. You can take out this giant. You can defeat Goliath. You can win this war. You can see the walls of Jericho come down. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't be intimidated. And then he says, remember the Lord. Remember God. In other words, he says, this isn't going to happen through your masculinity. This is not going to come from your ability, your personality, your strength. You're going to the gym, working out. Remember the God who's inside you. You're more than a conqueror, not because you went to the gym and worked out, but because you went to church. You got filled with the Holy Spirit. You got the power of God. Remember where your power comes from. Remember who your source is. Remember who tells you who you are. It is your God. He is great and glorious. And then he says, fight fight. Look what he says there. He says, fight for your brothers, fight for your brothers. This isn't just a fight for ourselves. I'm not just fighting for me. When I come to church, I'm fighting for the brotherhood. I'm fighting for my brother, John. I'm fighting for my brother, AJ. I'm fighting for my brother, Daniel. I'm fighting for my brother, Wayne. I'm fighting for you. See that the enemy wants you to think this is all you. This is you. As long as you're on the mountaintop, that's all that matters. No, no, no. You got brothers in the valley that you're fighting for. Don't you walk away from the battle just because you beat that addiction. Go pull other boys out of that addiction. Go get other men out of that problem. Go help other men that are battling divorce. Go help other men that are in the middle of depression, suicidal thoughts. Fight for your brothers, he says. And then he says, fight for your sons. We are in a battle for our boys right now. I just had my three sons here on stage and you saw it. Listen, the enemy more than ever wants to shape the next generation. This is why we have a Christian school. This is why we do summer camps. This is why we do youth group every Wednesday night. This is why we have children's church during every service. This is why we're building a next generation building. This is why we do what we do because the boys need to know they can be men of God. They can grow up in a church that loves them, that sees them, that invests in them, that empowers them, that teaches them how to be a man of God. When you come to church and when you pray, you're not just fighting for yourself. You're fighting for your boys. There was a well-known successful attorney in Chicago and, and he was very successful, very, very wealthy. And he bought a nice house right there near his business in Chicago. He, he operated his business in a skyscraper building, right where all the beautiful buildings are in Chicago. And and he had about a mile walk every day. He would walk to his work. And on the way to his work, he had an alcohol problem. So there was this bar that was open in the morning, the afternoon, the night, all the time. And he would walk past this bar and he'd go and get his morning drink. Then in the afternoon, he'd go and get an afternoon drink. Then on his way home, he'd get a, an evening drink. And he was successful and he, he used alcohol to, to cope with the pressure. He said, you know, I've got, hey, if I'm gonna be successful, if I'm gonna be a well-known attorney, I gotta have something that just helps me get through all my cases, all the pressure of this job. And so alcohol was his, was, was, was the vice that the enemy used. The enemy knows what to use against you, whether it's lust or pornography or alcohol or opioids or, or women, whatever it is, the enemy knows. He knows. He's not stupid. During the Vietnam War, there was these tunnels. They were called the Coochie Tunnels, and, and the Vietnamese would come through these tunnels underneath these soldiers, and they would ambush the American soldiers from behind. The, the soldiers didn't even know. They were, they were right underneath them. They would come. This is how the enemy works. Some of you are behind enemy lines, and you don't even know it. 
I, I could go through story after story that I've heard from history, World War I, World War II, Vietnam War, all of these words, Black Hawk Down, and, and it's amazing how much it translates to the spiritual life. We are in a war. I don't know if you, if you realize this. This is not a time to kick back and go, you know, I'm just going to coast through this Christian journey, see where my life goes. I'm going to keep these addictions in my life and hope my boys don't repeat the same cycles as me. Listen, we are in a war. We are in a war right now. And this man, every day, he'd go and get his drinks. He'd get his drink on. He'd get, get drunk to feel good, to, to get the pressure off. And one morning he was walking to work and it was snowing this morning in Chicago and this wealthy attorney, he's walking, goes to the bar, leaves the bar after he gets done drinking. He's now walking to his office and he hears this sound behind him. He turns around. It's a six-year-old boy, a six-year-old boy smiling. Daddy, I've been following your footprints. He was putting his little feet where the big feet in the snow had left a path he said, I snuck out of the house, Daddy. I want to be just like you. I'm following you. His dad broke down in tears, scooped up his boy, ran home to his wife. His wife said, I'm so sorry. He snuck out of the house. I was watching the other kids. Please forgive me, honey. The dad said, no, 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 I'm sorry. And he went out of the house. And with tears in his eyes, he fell on his knees. And he said, oh, God, please let me never, ever leave footprints for my kids to follow into the bar. But Lord, let me leave footprints for my kids to follow me into church, for me to follow me into the right places. He changed his footprints that day. He never went back to the bar. You can change. You can change. You don't have to wait for a, a, a day where your kid follows you right in there to change. You can change today. You can change. The enemy wants us to think you'll never be able to change. Your daddy was like this. Your granddaddy was like this. You'll be like this. You're always going to have this. This is a message to say, no, no, no. I'm changing. 2019 is a year that I will become the man God's called me to be. Whenever you're watching this right now is a time to change. We sing a song in kids' church, be careful little ears what you hear, be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little feet where you go. We should be saying, be careful big feet where you go. Because where the big foot goes, the little foot follows. Where the big eyes look, the little eyes look in the same direction. We've got to wage war. Nehemiah said, fight for your brothers, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, fight for your home. And then he says this in verse 20. He says, and remember, when the trumpet blasts, rush to the sound and our God will fight for us. You see, when you fight for your family, God fights for you. When you fight for your sons, God fights for you. You're not in this fight all by yourself. You've got a father in heaven who says, this is a fixed fight. I've given you victory. You just got to show up. You got to get in church. You got to get in the word. You have the victory in your thoughts. We are not a defeated generation. We are not a defeated gender. We have victory as men. We have victory over our thoughts, victory in our hearts, victory over addictions. We were not created to live in defeat, but to walk in victory. This is a battle for your soul, though, man. This is a battle for your soul. 
This is a battle for your purpose. If you're taking notes, this is a battle for your purpose. The enemy does not want you to fulfill your purpose. The enemy wants to steal your soul so he can steal your purpose. He knows the calling on your life. Why did Pharaoh try to kill all the Hebrew boys during that time of Moses? Because he knew there was power in the seed of man. He knew what the man could accomplish. He knew if I get rid of the men, I can get rid of the homes. I can get rid of the the, the next generations. The men carry something inside them that the world needs. When Herod put a genocide out on all the baby boys of Israel during Jesus' time, the enemy knew if I can get rid of, there's there's a boy in this generation that's going to change the world. There's a boy out there that's going to change his family and change his community and go on to turn the world up side down. This is a battle for your purpose. Number three, this is a battle for your marriage and family. The enemy's after territory. It's not just about you. It's about who's connected to you. And number four, this is a battle for your future and the futures that are connected to you. I'm standing in the footprints. I followed the footprints of my father. What an example. Like, this is where my dad stood 10 years ago before he passed. Where are your footprints leading your kids? And whose footprints are you following right now? We've got to set the footprints of righteousness, the footprints of integrity, that we're going to lead our lives with wisdom, with honor, with honesty, with hope, with encouragement. We're going to speak right to people. You see, real men, real men go to church. Real men Real men listen to God. Real men walk in victory over sin. Real men treat women with respect. Real men speak life to their children. Real men live with compassion. Real men live with generosity. Real men walk in integrity. Real men keep their promises even when it hurts. Real men take responsibility. Real men cry. Real men honor their father and mother. Real men honor those that are in authority. Real men stand up for those who can't defend themselves. Real men take the initiative to be the spiritual leader in the house. Is there any real men here today? Come on, say, I'm that man. If you're a guy today, say, I'm that man. Ladies, if you're sitting next to a guy today, say, you are the man. You are the man. There's a story that was stirring in my heart that I wanted to share with you today from the word of God. It's the story of Joash. It's in 2 Chronicles. It's buried in the book of 2 Chronicles. So many people miss this story, but I think it's one of the most powerful stories when it comes to restoring men and restoring who men are called to be. And what happens is Joash has a father named Ahaziah. Ahaziah was a wicked man. He ruled for about one year and he was killed. He was killed when Joash was a baby. Joash was one of several children he had. I mean, uh, Ahaziah had several kids, several boys. Joash was about nine months old when his father was killed. I want the keys to come out as I get ready to close because this is such a powerful moment. We're gonna pray for men here in just a moment. Don't walk out, don't leave. You need prayer, I need prayer. We all need it. But Joash was a baby and when his father died, the grandmother, her name was Athalia, she said, I'm going to kill all of, the kids, all of the king's kids. I'm going to get rid of all the royal blood so that I can rule the land. The Bible is full of amazing stories. If you haven't read it, it's better than the Game of Thrones. I don't know much about it, but I'm just saying it's amazing. The Bible has so much powerful drama and just incredible stories of overcoming tragedy and walking through persevering. And I'm telling you, it'll jump off the pages and speak directly to your story. And so Athalia kills all the royal blood. She kills all the boys. 
except one. Joash had an older sister. And um, her name was Jehoshabeth. And she, she found Joash and she hid him. She grabbed this nine-month-old baby and she ran when, when the grandmother was killing all the kids. She ran with her little brother and she hid him in the temple. And she handed him to a priest named Jehoiada. Jehoiada closed the doors of the temple. Athalia would never go in the temple. She was a wicked woman. She didn't want to have anything to do with God. She was bringing idols and idolatry and immorality in the land. She was setting up all kinds of just dark practices and, and things to get the nation just completely turned from God. So she wouldn't even go looking in the temple. She wouldn't even think that there might be royal blood in the temple. But there Joash was. He was hidden in the temple being raised not by his biological father, but by another man. Give it up for the men that are raising other kids that they didn't birth, but they're standing fathers, stepfathers, fathers who come in. Come on. God's going to use you men to raise kids, to speak life, to raise the standard, to show them what it means to be a man. And so Jehoiada took Joash and he began to teach him, you have a calling on your life. You have a purpose on your life. Your sister sees something in you. I see something in you. You don't know it, but outside the walls of this temple, there's a throne that's waiting for you. And at the right time, you're going to step into authority. And this nation will forever be changed because there's a boy left in Israel. There's a king left in Israel. There's a king left in your house. There's kings in the hearts of every boy in this room. There's a king in you. Turn to the boy next to you and say, there's a king in you. To every boy in the room, every man in there, there's a king in you. The enemy would try to squash it, would try to steal it, would try to kill it, would try to get rid of all the males. But Jehoiada began to speak to him. And the time came when Joash was seven years old. He was hidden in the temple. If you're going to raise kids, raise them in the house of God. Get them around the people of God. Get them in the word of God. Listen, it's so important. You come into church, bringing your kids to children's church. It is so important. Boys become men in the house of God. Jehoiada knew this is the best place to raise a boy to help him become a man. It's right here in the house of God, in the word of God, in the presence of God. I remember sitting next to this woman who had, she, I was coming back from a missions trip and she asked me, who are you? What do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. And she said, oh, I'm done with religion. I said, what? Why? She said, well, I grew up in the Catholic church my whole life. And uh, when I had kids, you know, my husband left me. And then all this stuff that's happened in the Catholic church, I just can't trust any priest. I just can't trust anyone. And so I got my family as far away from the church as possible. This is what the enemy does. He takes the mistakes of a few men and says, this is how all men are. You can't trust males. Don't get your boys around any fathers. Can I just say not all men are perverts? Not all men are jacked up, messed up. There's mighty men of God sitting right here in this house. The kids need to be around godly men. It was never meant to be a one gender society raising children. We need men and women raising boys and girls. The enemy's trying to destroy the household, ripping apart kids from fathers, creating this, I don't even trust men anymore. I, I said to this woman, I said, I pray that you'll give men another chance because there are godly men out there. You should come to victory sometime. We need, we need kids to grow up with spiritual fathers in their life. 
if not a biological, but there's got to be someone, an older man that's going to say, I'll contend, I'll stand in the gap. You know, God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 22, verse 30, he said, I sought for a man who would rebuild the walls of righteousness, who would guard the land. I searched for a man who would stand in the gap. This is what Nehemiah was looking for. He was looking for people who would fill in the gaps, fill in the gaps, fill in the gaps. I searched for a man who would fill in the gaps in fatherless homes. I searched for a man who would fill in the gaps where boys don't know what it looks like to be a man of God. I searched for a man in the church who would go on a missions trip. By the way, did you know churches around the world, not just in America, women are leading the charge in connect groups, volunteering, missions trips. Great job, ladies. You're amazing. But men, we need you. Rise up. I don't mean to break our sound system, but I'm so passionate about this. I literally looked at our pastoral team this week and I said, I am so mad I could say a bad word right now, but I'm not going to. But I'm saying, where's the men? Where are you? And I see you, men. I see you. I see you because there's many of you that are. You're here. You're rising up. I'm making babies cry. I'm so sorry, babies. You're rising up. We need you. We need men that are becoming connect group leaders. We need men that are teaching Bible studies. We need men that are mentoring teenagers. We need men that are volunteering in children's church. We need men who have a pure mind. We need men who have a pure mouth. We need men who are walking in integrity. We need men who are leading businesses. We need men who are rising up as fathers in houses. We need men that are reaching out. Listen, the world is trying to push men out, saying they're not necessary anymore. Just get rid of the men but we've got to wage war for manhood in this church and it's not going to be defined by the world it's going to be defined by God's word and so Jehoiada he called together the captains and they didn't know that Joash was alive they didn't know that there was still one royal blood baby boy that was still alive by this time he was seven and Jehoiada I need to borrow I need some help. Liam, will you be in this part? Can I call you up here? Come up here. And so Jehoiada said, he pulled together the captains. He said, there's still one boy left. They were amazed. They were shocked. They said, we thought Athalia killed all the boys. He said, no, no, this is royal blood. He's called the lead. He's got a destiny on his life. And watch this. This is wild. You should read. I'm going to summarize it for you. But in chapter 23 of Second Chronicles, he said, I need as many mighty men as possible to form a circle around Joash. I want you to form a ring around the future king. And so I need some help today. Can I get some mighty men of God to just form a ring around Liam today? Can I get some of you grown mighty men of God, all different ages? Okay, Liam, you're going to stand in the middle. And I want you guys to surround them. Liam, you stay right there. They're going to surround you. They're going to protect you. I want you to form a circle. Fill in the gaps. No gaps. I want you to face the outside too. Face the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Turn around. And this is what Jehoiada said. He said, I want you to form a ring around the young king. He's not king yet, but he's on his way there. And he's going to need all the help he can get. Fill in the gaps. I don't want any gaps for this young boy. 
I need you to fill in the gap of what it looks like to treat women. I need you to fill in the gap of what it looks like to honor your mother. I need you to fill in the gap of what it looks like to be a good steward of money. I need you to fill in the gaps of what it looks like to be an honest man. I need you to fill in the gaps of how to treat older men. I need you to fill in the gaps of showing up to church. I need you to fill in the gap. Don't let any gaps be left. My boy needs to know there's a future on his life. The enemy's trying to take him out. Don't leave any gaps. And Jehoiada said this, he said, I want you to form a ring around the king at the altar. What? When I saw that, I just started crying because I realized the greatest place for boys to become men is at the altar. The greatest place for men to be restored in the true masculinity that God's called us to walk in. I'm not talking about what, what ABC, CBS, and I'm not talking about what the sitcoms show men looking like and acting like. I'm not talking about Netflix's definition of men. I'm not talking about the comedians out there, their definition of men. They can make some funny jokes about men. I'm talking about what God says a man is. At the altar, at the altar. He says, form a ring around the altar and you're gonna walk with them together. And it, it says they walked towards the throne. And when Athalia heard the noise, the city began to rejoice because something was changing in the atmosphere. It had been dark for a long time. How many of y'all seen Lion King before? You seen Lion King? You remember that part where Scar takes over? It's dark. It's, bad. it's like Narnia when the Wicked Witch when it's, it's dark. And, but when the right king steps in, the light comes in. It shifts the atmosphere. The rain comes down. The land, the vegetation starts to grow. God's looking for some mighty men that will take their place of authority. God's looking for some mighty young boys that will step into the place God's called them to stand in, that will raise the standard and say, on my watch we're changing a generation and so Joash steps in and get this he remains king for 40 years Jehoiada is the spiritual father for Joash but if you read the story Jehoiada passes away one out of five men die before 65 in Jesus name I pray for a reversal on that statistic I pray that men would live long honor your father and mother and you will live a long life and it will go well with you. When Jehoiada passed away, Joash couldn't find a spiritual mentor and Joash died when he was 47 years old. He reigned for 40 years, that's a long time, but 47 is way too young to die. We've got to have spiritual men that are rising up as fathers. Give these guys a big hand. Thank you, Liam, so much. Turn to the guys next to you and say, we need you. We need you. You're a mighty man of God. Say it to him. You're a mighty man of God. As we end today, let me give you just some last thoughts. Come on. You give NBA three hours. You can give church just one hour and 30 minutes. We'll dismiss you at 1230. How do we win this war? Number one, we've got to know who we are. True masculinity comes from true identity. We've got to know who we are. How do we know who we are? This is number one. How do we win this war? We know who we are. It comes from knowing whose we are. When we know whose we are, who's your daddy? My daddy's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Who's your daddy? Your daddy's the king of kings. You got royal blood inside you. You're called to reign in this life. You got king's royalty inside you. When you know who you are, you've got power against the enemy. The right identity defeats the enemy. 
The right identity, the right masculinity comes from knowing whose you are. I'm a child of God. You're not a child of an addict. You're not a child of a confused person. You are a child of God. You got royal blood inside you. You got a calling on your life. Number two, we got to know who we're fighting against. You're not fighting against women. You're not fighting against your wife. You're not fighting against females in the workplace. Listen, listen, this is not a gender war. God needs both men and women to rise up into their authority. God needs both men and women to be empowered. This is not a fight against genders. This is a fight against demonic powers trying to push men out, trying to get men to stop being men, to turn boys into girls. We've got to restore. We've got to know who our enemy is. By the way, now that you know who your enemy is, know that you've got the power to defeat him. He's not stronger than you. You're more than a conqueror. And when you get your power, number three, your power comes from staying surrendered to God. Our power comes as men. Go to the gym, work out, get strong on the outside, but the spiritual power comes from prayer. The spiritual prayer power comes from surrendering to God, saying, Lord, I need your help. Guard my eyes, guard my heart. Lord, I repent. By the way, though a righteous man falls seven times, he will rise again. Don't let the enemy think that you're defeated. You're going to rise up out of that. You're going to get past that. You're not addicted. You're not oppressed. You're not afflicted. You are a warrior. Number four, get dressed for war. Get dressed for war. We got a lot of soldiers walking out on the battlefield without all their armor on. Pants on the ground, pants on the ground, looking like a fool with your pants on the ground. I'm going to take it back 10 years ago. Y'all are like, that was 10 years ago, Paul. Okay, I got it. We got to get our belt of truth on, our, our, our breastplate of righteousness, our helmet of salvation, our shoes that are shod with the gospel of peace, our shield of faith, our sword of the spirit. We have armor. We've got to wear it. Okay, number five, fight together with your fellow soldiers. This is not a battle to fight solo. This is not a battle to be isolated. So many men say, I don't need friends in my life. That's for ladies. Ladies have friends. You've got to have friends, men. I need my friends. I need my brothers. They're fighting for me. And maybe you say, well, Paul, how do I get that? You got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to go to a connect group. Come to our men's discipleship class. Linger a little bit after church. Introduce yourself to some guys on the road. Say, hey, we should get together. We should go pray together. We should meet up here at the church sometime and pray before service. You got to pursue that accountability. Iron sharpens iron. So another man sharpens his brother. Number six, take your place of authority. Take your place of authority. When I'm walking in the authority of who God's called me to be, my wife is like, yes, that's attractive. I'm like, that's right. I'm your man. She's like, you the man. I'm like, I am the man in Jesus name. You know, waking up early, praying, going to the gym, working out, getting a full day's working. You got to kick laziness in the rear. You got to kick apathetic, complacent Christianity in the rear. I'm talking G-rated on Father's Day. I see a lot of children in the house. We've got to rise up and take our authority. Number seven, the victory is yours. You're not fighting for a victory. You're fighting from a victory. So let's stand up on our feet all over this house. And I want to invite every man in the room, every male. You are not just a male by biology. You are a man by the calling and the stamp and the approval of God. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar. Would you leave your seat? Men, men, I want to pray for the men in the house. Ladies, would you cheer on your men? Would you cheer on your brothers, your sons, your husband, the father of your kids? We're going to pray today. We're going to wage war today. Come on, real men go to the altar. Real men go to the altar. Real men go to the altar. Real men. 
Real men pray. Yeah, we got some real men in the house today. We got some mighty men in the house today. We got so much men. I want some of you guys come up on stage. We got to make room for more men. Come on, come on up stage. Come on up stage. Come on up on stage. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Cheer on your men today. Cheer on the mighty men today. They're coming all the way from the back. Coming all the way down every row, every aisle. Oh, Jesus, this is amazing. This is amazing. This is a dream. A church that's fully alive with mighty men. Still more coming, still more coming, still more coming. Keep on coming, keep on. We're gonna wait for you. We're gonna wait for you. You're not alone. Even if you gotta roll your wheelchair up here, we're gonna wait for you. If you're coming with a cane, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Keep coming. You're a mighty man of God. You're a mighty man of God. Love you too. A few years ago, we were, the week before the 4th of July, we were doing a patriotic weekend. We were praying and we were thanking all of our military for what they do for our country. And we're going to pray and thank all of our military the week after next week. But there was a few men that were coming up on stage. They had fought in World War II. They were there at Pearl Harbor. And they, they had their canes, their walkers, and they were coming one inch at a time. They were moving slow, but they were moving. We need men to keep moving. Keep on showing up. Keep on surviving. Keep on getting back up. I don't know if you saw that movie Hacksaw Ridge, but there's this moment where this boy, he just keeps going and he keeps pulling more men out of the line of fire. No more friendly fire, guys. We got to fight for each other. We got to help each other. But this guy, he just keeps and he keeps pulling men out of the, the line of fire. He keeps saying, we got to keep fighting. We got to keep going. Saving Private Ryan. We got to go and get him. We got to go and protect him. On the beaches of Normandy, we gotta go. We gotta stop this tyrannical rule. We gotta stop what the enemy's doing. We gotta stop this genocide. We gotta stop this racism. We gotta stop this darkness. We gotta stop what the enemy's doing. And fathers and sons fighting together. I wanna show you a picture of a father. I saw this just last week. A father who's fighting in the military and his son joined him. The son said, when I saw my father step up for the fight, I had to follow his footprints. I had to follow his steps. Marching together, working together, fighting together. Ladies, would you stretch your hands out for the men in this house? And men, would you put your hands on the shoulder of your brothers, your fathers, your sons today? God, we pray right now for every man in this room. Lord, we pray for the men of this house. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the calling you have on every man. God, I thank you that every man has a purpose. Every man has a calling. Every man. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for purity. God, that there would be freedom from addictions. God, I thank you, Lord, that men would walk in victory, walk in authority. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've got a leadership calling on each man in this room, that they would lead as servants. God, that we would lead with humility, that we would lead with compassion, that we would lead 
God, with your love. And Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name that we would not fight each other, but we would fight for each other. Sons and fathers. God, that there would not be a rebellious spirit, but there would be a spirit of unity. God, that there would be a spirit of togetherness in this house, working together, helping each other, speaking into each other. God, let our mouths only speak that which is good and uplifting. God, let our thoughts be thoughts that are praiseworthy and true. Lord, let our hands be used, God, to build, to create, to hug, to love, to bring comfort and compassion. Let our feet follow in the steps that you've ordered for us. Let's say this together, men. Repeat this with me. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I surrender. I need you, God. Help me to be the man that you've called me to be. I will walk in victory in my mind, in my mouth, in my heart, with my body. I will bring glory to you. I will be a man after your own heart. I refuse to quit. I refuse to quit. I will walk in victory. My best days are right in front of me. And I have the victory because Jesus lives in me. Now, men, I want you to reach your hands out and pray for our sisters. Pray for our mothers. Pray for the daughters of this house. We're going to pray for the ladies right now. God, we pray a blessing over every woman in this house. I pray for my wife, for my mom, for my grandma. I pray for my future daughter. I pray for the daughters in this house. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're restoring that which the enemy has stolen and broken. God, we speak peace to the minds of every woman in this room. We speak hope to the hearts of every woman in this room. We speak, a, God, a restoration of trust, God, in the minds and the hearts of every woman in this room. And God, we thank you that their best days are right in front of them, that they have the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, all of us together, let's say this. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I surrender to you. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. My best days are right in front of me. And I have the victory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.